Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we talk about my recent trip to Disney World during the busiest week of 2022 so far. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we really appreciate it if you could leave us positive reviews. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can receive bonus content. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at Travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So after the longest Chung family trip in three years to Disney World, uh, it is going to be a few episodes about it. So this is the second in our series of episodes about the trip. I think this one's going to be so long that we might break it into two episodes, but maybe release the second one as a bonus episode or something. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. What we're going to do today is, Leslie, I would say it was not like a perfect trip you know not everything went well so it was a normal vacation it's very it was very different than you know when i go on my own or even with one kid i can really control and set the narrative control my plan control where we go when and how that works with the five of us being there and for those of you who don't know my kids are nine six and four there were so many more parameters plus the super busy crowds that we talked about last episode it really led to things not always going smoothly so i thought a nice way to kind of talk about our trip is to talk about highs and lows that happened on our trip uh, for each day of the trip. Now, before we get to that, we want to shout out and thank our patrons who are supporting us at patreon.com slash Deciphered, where they receive bonus content. And we have a couple new patrons from last month to finish up with. So Leslie, who are we thanking today? Today, we're thanking Kate F. and Ralph L. Thank you both so much for supporting the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Let's get started. Our first day got in pretty late at night at around 8.30 p.m. Still, there's a quite a few highs actually from this first day. Of course, there's the high. I don't know, Leslie, I always get a high just getting to any Disney property. You know, that first day, it's just so exciting to just be there. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) I mean, I get like a high just from like being in the Orlando airport and sort of seeing the familiar sights. Yes, for sure. that (laughs) terrible carpet. It's oh, just yeah. super exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I rented a stroller with Orlando Stroller Rentals. Now, full disclosure, Shannon, who uh, we've worked with in the past, ended up comping the stroller for me, which I didn't ask her to do, but I uh, really appreciated that. Was ready to pay $75 uh, for the week for the stroller. We got a mini GT2 or something like that. I don't, I don't pay too much attention to strollers anymore. And, but everything went very smoothly. So this was definitely a high, even if I had paid for it, because Orlando Stroller Rentals, their pickup point in the airport is right by Mears Connect. So if you're taking Mears Connect, Orlando Stroller Rentals might be the way to go just because it's right there. You know, our stroller was in this little section. Uh, it had our name on it. We grabbed it. We were renting a car. So we went to go rent our car instead. Picking it up at the airport and it being right next to Mears Connect is very convenient if you're using Mears Connect to get to your Disney resort. Now, another high was I knew that we were going to be getting in late and I knew we were going to be eating a lot of chicken nuggets throughout the week. So I was like, unless I really have to, do not want to go to McDonald's for dinner that first night. So what I did was, you know, our flight was at 4 p.m. At around noon from here in Boston, I placed a mobile to-go order at Trattoria Al Forno, which is the Italian restaurant that's part of the Boardwalk Inn, which is where we are staying. And so I placed a mobile order to go for dinner and 
I thought that was a pretty slick way of making sure that the family had food to eat when we got there. For sure. Planning ahead with those mobile orders can be pretty clutch, but I can't say I've ever booked it from, you know, like halfway across the country. (laughs) That's well done. I mean, the really nice thing that I wasn't sure about was like, it's not geolocated, whereas with uh, joining the walk-up list or whatever, I think you got to be in the area. So it was really good to know. So if you need to make sure you have something for your family and the quick service restaurants at all the hotels in the Crescent Lake area, we're also taking to-go orders. It's a good way to make sure you have food for when you get there. Unfortunately, that was the only time we got to go to Trattoria Al Forno, so we didn't get to sit down there. We got plant-based bolognese. The pasta and the sauce was good, and the plant-based meat and the sauce was good, but the sausage was a little bit weird. I was okay with the sausage, but the rest of the family, you know, I didn't tell them it was plant-based, Leslie, and my wife and my kids were like, there's something weird about this sausage, so <laughs> they figured it they out. They knew. They knew. Yeah, they knew. They didn't They didn't think anything of the meat, quote-unquote, in the sauce, but the sausage itself, they figured out. And then we also got chicken parm as well, which the chicken parm was excellent. I wish I had been able to eat it more freshly. We actually didn't get to the hotel until 9.55, right before Trattoria Al Forno closed, so that worked out really well. Another high, this is going to be an entire episode dedicated to the Boardwalk Inn, but we did stay Boardwalk Inn club level, and a real high from that first night was rushing in at 9.55. I couldn't tell Leslie if they made me feel like they knew who we were already or not um, when I checked in at the front desk or whatever. I don't know if they're like texting each other behind and stuff like that, but between when I got to the concierge desk and you know, I was like, hey, we made it. Between then and the three minutes it took me to walk to the club itself, somehow the club attendants knew that I was just grabbing desserts to go and they had like to-go boxes ready for me to take some desserts back to the room. So I thought that was pretty nice. It was very nice of them to have that ready for us. And I was super flustered and I think they noticed that. Well, somebody clearly called ahead or something. So I guess they know you're kind of a big deal, Joe, you know? (laughs) Yeah, obviously. Yeah, they're like, as the Joe Flies is in town. Um, I would say, you know, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, but staying club level was really nice overall. I really think it felt very worth it. Leslie, you've stayed club level at, is it Grand Californian or Disneyland Hotel? And what were your experiences there really quickly? Yeah, I stayed at the Disneyland Hotel's club at level last October and thought it was really well done. I mean, the service was excellent. The spread of food was more than I expected. And yeah, it was just a highlight. I'm totally spoiled and I feel like I'm never going back. No comment. (laughs) No comment on that. But I'll just say that overall for like the entire trip, the club, the innkeepers club is what it's called at Boardwalk Inn was a real high for the entire trip. Oh, the other thing was I was like, oh, I really could use some water for the family and they gave us these two huge glass bottles so i ended up having more stuff that i could like carry back down to the room two huge glass bottles that i was able to fill with water from a tap but it was not orlando tap water so that was a real high as well you know that helped us out with water for the entire trip now a low which i guess wasn't day one but was the next morning and this was a low as we talked about last episode for the entire trip was having to wake up at 6 50 a.m every day to make those lightning lanes i'm still as you can tell i'm still traumatized and not over this 6 50 a.m thing leslie Yeah, it's a lot. And like you said, it's not something that you wake up for a second, you hit a couple buttons and you go back to sleep. It's more involved than that often when you're booking multiple things and maybe you don't get the time you want initially and you're waiting for the drops. So that's unfortunate because I definitely remember like when I did the virtual cues back in the day and I just 
literally click three buttons and I got it or I didn't. And then I'd go back to sleep, but no more. Yes, boo. Moving on to day two, we went to Animal Kingdom and Epcot on day two. Sticking with Genie Plus, a real low was I had a bunch of Genie Plus fails that morning. I thought I had gotten Kilimanjaro Safaris for 1130. We talked about this last episode as well, but I guess I didn't click through or something snagged with the server or something, and I actually did not get Kilimanjaro Safaris. So that was a Genie Plus fail. Another fail was... I clicked on an 11 a.m. time for a flight of passage, but by the time I clicked through on that one with all the server issues and stuff like that, and as we talked about last episode, I quickly learned from my mistakes on this first day, but I didn't get flight of passage until 6 p.m., so Genie Plus overall that first morning was a real fail. It was a really rough start to the trip. You come in, you're very overly confident because you host a Disney podcast or whatever. You think you're going to nail the Genie Plus Lightning Lane return times and individual Lightning Lanes. And then boom, like we always say, Leslie, pride comes before a fall. Didn't get anything I wanted for Genie Plus or individual Lightning Lane that first morning. Yeah, ouch. I definitely felt like a point of pride back when virtual queues were around because like I literally wrote the blog post about it. And I was like, I can't ever not be successful at these virtual queues. I felt like a lot of pressure. But the reality is, is, yeah, the IT is unpredictable. Best laid plans really can be spoiled by how this all works. Even if you totally know what you're doing, even if you have you know multiple people trying, there is an element of dumb luck to this, unfortunately. I still can't help but feel you're saying you're better than me but I'm just going to let it slide, Leslie. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that, Joe, because I'm going to be going to Disney World in a few months and I, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to fail at no, one of these things. Actually, actually, I'm reading a book that says, you know, you have to understand that failure is just par for the course. So yes, you're right, Leslie. One more thing to add here. Be careful not to get tricked after you've booked the Lightning Lane. When you look at your tip board, you will see a sign that says it's booked, but the time that you see on the tip board is the current return time if you were to book that lightning lane right then so to see the actual time for your lightning lane you have to go to my genie day do not look at your tip board for when your lightning lane is otherwise you might miss it because that time will keep changing according to whatever is being booked thanks to listener amy for pointing that out all right now moving to the highs of the second day and maybe one of the biggest highs of the entire trip. Unfortunately, I did not get to participate, but my wife and my oldest daughter, who is nine, went on the Wild Africa Trek. It is a partially on foot, partially on vehicle trek through essentially Kilimanjaro safaris, but you're going with a lot of different angles and you're on a much more involved trip through the safari and through kind of that land. So they were harnessed up. If you are on Kilimanjaro safaris, you'll see these tall rope bridges. So they They were looking at the animals from up on those rope bridges. There were cast members taking pictures of them the whole time, explaining them things, teaching them things about the animals. They got a snack. They got to not repel, but lean over a cliff to like look at the crocodiles from like a top down view. They got to take their time to look at all the animals. So my wife and my daughter both really loved it, especially my daughter um, really loved it. They said it was an amazing experience. And one thing that, I mean, I guess I should have realized this, but I didn't realize was included with the cost of it was the cast members were taking pictures the entire time. So you don't need to have memory maker or anything like that. The pictures are part of the trek. And it's not only pictures of you on the trek, but it's also pictures of the animals on the trek. So it's like from that 
particular trek that you made. So they really loved it. Uh, it's $200 per person list price, but with my annual pass discount, it was $160 for each of them. And it is, according to my daughter, the best thing that she did on the entire trip. So I thought that was well worth it. It was only a group of 14 people. So it was very intimate. So they had a really great time doing that. That's great to hear. That sounds like a very valuable upcharge then. Yeah. And one tip is if you are doing Wild Africa Trek, you really do not need to use up a lightning lane on Kilimanjaro safaris. You are basically doing the safari, but a much more involved and extended version of that. In fact, at some point, they even got on not the same trucks that they use for Kilimanjaro safaris, but a similar vehicle to go through you know, the giraffe section of the safari just uh for logistics for wild africa trek you have to be at least eight years old which is why my younger kids couldn't do it and four feet tall now while my wife and daughter were doing that i had the younger kids with me and we spent like an hour at the boneyard leslie the kids toddlers kind of playground first they spent all this time like half the time on all the slides and stuff like that and then they spent the other half of the time in the sandbox they really enjoyed it that was they asked to go back later in the trip so it's good to see the boneyard is back open and so if you have kids who need to burn some energy or just getting bored of staying in lines and stuff like that definitely check out the boneyard so that was a high and then another high was using mobile order at harambe market and being able to find a table by the conservation station train while we were waiting for my wife and daughter to finish their trek uh it was really good to just sit there and eat and watch the train i think my son counted the train passing by like 12 to 13 times now harambe market is a little bit tight for seating so i would definitely recommend going earlier you know we were there at like 11 15 11 20 by 11 45 it was already kind of packed with seats and people were waiting so if you want to get a table definitely get there early which i think is kind of a tip for eating at disney world in general for sure. So a lot of highs that day. What about lows on day two? <laughs> um, so we went to Epcot for Harmonious. And I guess um, Harmonious compared to Enchantment, it's just way louder. I think the fireworks are fired from a moat. I mean, they're fired from the lake itself instead of Enchantment is fired from behind the castle. Anyway, my two younger kids started freaking out and the youngest one, she had to leave. And so we ended up spending the last five minutes of Harmonious in the bathrooms at the American Adventure, just uh, hiding out. So that was not the ideal way to uh, watch Harmonious for the first time. Well, it wasn't my first time, but it was her first time. But we had to do what we had to do. And by the way, the bathroom was not the greatest place to hide either because the sound still reverberates in there. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that definitely, definitely was low for the day. And I mean, we've talked about this before, Joe. There are a lot of things at Disney parks that are just really loud. And I I think we as adults with our damaged eardrums don't necessarily notice it. But then when you bring young kids, especially ones who maybe are a little bit more sensitive, like my second child is, then you really do notice it. So I still bring uh, noise-canceling headphones most of the time with me, like the the earmuff kind of style headphones to try to deal with those kind of situations. So I guess keep bringing them, huh? Yes, my wife said, and I quote, I cannot believe you didn't bring the noise canceling earmuffs. So whoops. Um, Your fault. Between that and... Yeah, that was my fault. And then definitely, if you listen to the trip reports, if you're a patron, you know that not bringing shorts for my son, also my fault. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we don't have time to talk about that here. It ended up working out. But yes, not bringing shorts when it's going to be 85 plus every day, not a good idea in Florida. Now, because... 
I had to run with my daughter for Harmonious. One thing that I did see was Len Testa has said, and the Rope Drop Radio guys have also said that Italy seems like a really good place to watch Harmonious. And I can confirm that as I walked around a quarter of World Showcase trying to find a good place to hide, as I passed Italy, I was looking at the view and it was an excellent place to see it. And the other nice thing about really anywhere in World Showcase, except for at the base of World Showcase where it meets Future World or whatever they call that now, there really aren't huge crowds. Like the crowds are only three to four people deep, which means you can stand further back. And as long as you're not like trying to take a video of everything and care about people being in the front of your video, you can get a really good view of what's going on. It was super crowded when I was at Disney World, but Harmonious wasn't that crowded. So just something to bear in mind there if you're looking for a good place for Harmonious. All right. Good to know. Um, Why don't we move on to day three? What was your plan for that day? All right. So day three was the worst day for my Disney experience issues. Forced me to re-log in. I think this is not an exaggeration, like 20 times in a row from 7 to 710-ish. Was not able to get anything. The app was just completely broken. I think because of that, there actually ended up being a few more Lightning Lane and individual Lightning Lane return times to get. But it was a real mess. Now, we covered this in the last episode, but in case people didn't listen to this, with all these Genie Plus issues, we did learn about some beneficial drop times. So can you share with us again when you can expect Genie Plus times to refresh themselves? Yes. So you discovered that a lot of the Genie Plus attractions had additional drops somewhere between 7.08 and 7.15. And then for the individual Lightning Lane attractions at 7.17 a.m. was when additional times were dropped. So I guess you just have to keep refreshing for those, you know, many minutes after seven if you don't get what you want. Yeah, which is why, like you said, it's no longer three clicks and going back to bed. It's like, I don't know, hundreds of clicks. I don't think that's an exaggeration. So that was a real low. (laughs) Again, Genie Plus in the morning is just a low every single day. Even if there was no server issues, it's just annoying to have to do that every morning. Now, after that, we had a lot of highs. We spent the morning at the pool, at the Boardwalk Inn, and... Our kids love the pool there. It was a lot of fun. There's no more creepy clown slide. That slide is a lot of fun. Our kids went on that slide dozens of times throughout our trip there. We really just chilled out the pool and enjoyed ourselves and then kind of rolled into Hollywood Studios at around 1 p.m. or so and then used some of the lightning lanes that we had stacked. So that went really well. Another high was kids, my older kids and my wife got to ride Rise of the Resistance for the first time. And they really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure whether it would be too intense for them or whether it'd be too scary for them. But I was really glad to see that they enjoyed it. You know, this is when I felt like I started kind of suckering my wife in to the magic a little bit. You know, she said at the end, you know, no one can do attractions like Disney. And I think Rise of the Resistance really helped with that. For sure. It's hard not to get two thumbs up on that one. And then the other thing that worked out really well is I did a rider switch at Rise of the Resistance. So what I did was I bought the individual lightning lane for my youngest daughter who was too short to ride. And then the way rider switch works now is you get rider switch for the second adult, but you can only get an additional rider switch for like one kid. But because I bought the extra one for my kid who wasn't going to ride, my two kids both got to re-ride Rise of the Resistance. So that worked out really well. Now, one thing I found with rider switch, which worked differently between Rise of the Resistance and Flight of Passage, and I'm not sure if this was just my experience or it would happen every time. With Flight of Passage, they actually put a rider switch on my band. So even though I had an individual lightning lane, once I did the rider switch, I had individual lightning lane 
and I had a rider switch on my band. So I technically could have ridden twice if I could get on the ride before my individual lightning lane expired. For Rise of the Resistance, they did not do that. So if people have experiences, I would love to hear whether, you know, you got like the rider rider switch is an extra allocation like when you get it if they put it on your band you will see it in your my disney experience and so i did not get one of those at rise of the resistance i think they just wanted me to use my lightning lane again but i did get it for flight of passage so that's something to bear in mind and something to check out last high for day three and probably my biggest high for the entire trip was magic kingdom extended hours now leslie can you remind us very quickly what are these evening extended hours and who are they for So these extra evening hours are for deluxe resort hotel guests. That includes, you know, the on-property deluxe resorts, but also Swan Dolphin and Swan Reserve for some reason. And as of right now, they're offered in Epcot on Mondays and Magic Kingdom on Wednesdays. There's a strange one-off for Hollywood Studios on a Wednesday, April 13th on the calendar. There's still a little bit of a question mark as to which parks and which days and how far out this is going to be offered. I did peek at the calendar myself and noticed that there are only only released through May. So I couldn't plan for my June trip, but we'll just have to have to wait and see about that. So what was your opinion about them? How'd they work for you? This was really one of the highlights of my personal trip. I took my oldest daughter, you know, the other kids and my wife, they were done. They were not going to be able to do it. And we rolled into Magic Kingdom at around 9 p.m. We rode a few rides in Tomorrowland and then we just spent the rest of the night, you know, we closed it down at midnight and we rode nine attractions total, including Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, which, of course, my daughter loved. So I had to go there again. Well, I didn't go there again, but she went for a second time and It was really great. Uh, We didn't even do any of the headliners. Like Splash Mountain is not open during extended evening hours at Magic Kingdom, but Space is, Big Thunder is. But, you know, we went on like smaller rides like Tomorrowland Speedway, Buzz, Pirates of the Caribbean, and we really just enjoyed it. It was so nice. It was so crowded for the whole entire trip, except for during these extended evening hours. There's just like so much room in the walkways. You can really enjoy the Magic Kingdom, the castle, the different areas when it's so much quieter. You know, we had some ice cream. We had some extra popcorn. It was a really great time with my daughter and myself, even if we hadn't been on the attractions and i saw i think it was touring plans they tweeted something like they don't kick you out of magic kingdom you just can't go on any attractions during these extended evening hours so if you are one of the people who just likes to soak up what's going on in the parks and you don't need the attractions then extended evening hours are a great time to just kind of wander around when things are a lot less crowded if you're really into like taking pictures or you're an influencer or something like that that's the time to go so it was a really great time and really one of the highs of the trip overall Insert influencer joke here, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get anyone mad. So you know, we'll just uh, we'll just move on from there. But uh, yeah, that went really well. Okay, last day that we're going to go over in this episode was day four, when I was at Magic Kingdom from nine a.m. until pretty much closing, like nine thirty p.m. I got there early with my son and rode a couple of rides while my wife and daughter rolled in later. The crowds and getting there, it's just brutal. Leslie, one of our patrons sent us a quote about the Magic Kingdom, and I think I couldn't sum it up any better. So what did Melissa say? Yes, Melissa said, the Magic Kingdom is brutal. We were calling it a necessary evil on our trip a couple of weeks ago. You have to do it for the magic, but man, the crowds were rough, and Genie Plus only made it a tiny bit better. Ouch. Yeah, that was how I really was feeling that day. Uh, We went back to Magic Kingdom a couple times 
in the evenings. And so that was much better. But spending a whole day at the Magic Kingdom, it really was pretty brutal. And then you got to deal with parking at the Ticket and Transportation Center and then taking a ferry or a monorail over or whatever. On another day, I actually ended up taking the monorail from Epcot, which I just much preferred than parking at the Ticket and Transportation Center. And of course, my son ate that up, that monorail trip. But it was very crowded. I love the Magic Kingdom. But part of me is wondering, like, if I'm going to spring for a deluxe resort in the future, then maybe I spring for a deluxe resort by the Magic Kingdom just to smooth things out or if you're doing a split stay you know maybe you do split stay in a moderate caribbean beach do epcon hollywood studios animal kingdom maybe and then go all out for a deluxe by magic kingdom for the last two nights um, just to make things so much easier in terms of getting to the magic kingdom and stuff and the magic kingdom was very crowded that was probably like the most uncomfortable my wife felt for the entire trip now that giant caveat aside I got to say, we did really enjoy the Magic Kingdom. One high was all five of us went on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train together. And this is a highlight because the photo pass picture that we got of our kids freaking out. I think you've seen that, Leslie. You know, my oldest daughter is enjoying herself. I'm enjoying myself. But my son doesn't look very comfortable. And my daughter, my youngest daughter is just straight up bawling. It was worth the price of admission for that individual lightning lane, Leslie. Oh, what a cruel dad moment, Joe. <laughs> Taking, get, getting joy out of their suffering. <laughs> I mean, the youngest was crying so loudly that my wife was in the car behind us and she could hear it. So when we got off, she was like, hey, do they have a picture of that? So at least I know, <laughs> at, at least I know I married the right woman. And <laughs> we think alike when it comes I mean, to these things. We, we know that there's no permanent damage done. So there you go. Uh, you, know, you say that, but um, <laughs> she, but she, I gotta say, this will come up on another day. But you gotta hear what her caveats for Frozen Ever After ended up being. You know, Frozen, her favorite Disney franchise. But anyway, another high was we ate at Tony's Town Square. This was like our only table service meal. We were able to get an outside table, which is why we ate there. And it's been panned a lot in the past. I know that it has kind of had a little bit of a resurgence, or a, a, at least. A more positive viewing since reopening and i gotta say we really enjoyed this meal number one it was the only time we really got to sit down and take a breath that was good in and of itself but of course that could have been everywhere anywhere but the service was great our server muhammad he was awesome he had such wonderful interactions with the kids um really helped them to enjoy the meal more and had them laughing the whole entire time the food was really good uh, we got chicken parm again you may be seeing a pattern here and we got some other pasta dish and we also got the steak the steak was probably it was like only okay so it was probably like the worst part of the food but overall we were really happy with the food and then the best thing about eating at tony's town square outside is we had a great view for every time the cavalcades came by if it was a cavalcade that the kids were really into we could just sneak outside and get a closer look at the cavalcade and then come back to the table really great experience at tony's town square really happy that we got that uh dining reservation and that we got a chance to eat there Closing it out with a couple of final highs. The cast members were super helpful. Like like I said, with the caveat in the beginning, the lows of Magic Kingdom, it was just 
very stressful and very crowded. A cast member at Little Mermaid, actually multiple cast members at Little Mermaid were super helpful for us. The first time they were helpful was our youngest daughter who really wanted to ride the attraction fell asleep in the stroller with 30 minutes to go in our lightning lane window. And I just could not wake her up for the end of the lightning lane window. So I brought her over to the cast members and it was like, we had this lightning lane. It's about to expire. Is there anything that you can do? And so they were able to put rider switches on my and her band so that we could go there later. That was really nice of them. And then later in the night, we decided that Little Mermaid was going to be the best place to hide from Enchantment. My wife and my oldest daughter went to go see Enchantment, but I had to take the younger kids. We wised up, Leslie. We're like, we're not going to hide in the bathroom this time. We're going to hide it in an attraction. I know you're proud of me for this brilliant <laughs> thinking here. Wow. <laughs> and so we hid in the Little Mermaid and... I saw the same cast member as we were getting off the ride the first time. And she's like, oh, you made it. She, she remembered us. She was like, oh, you made it. I'm so glad you guys made it on the attraction. And I was like, yeah, we're actually going to ride it again because we're hiding from the fireworks. And she's like, oh, you don't need to go outside. She just let us get back on right there. And then at that point, like all the cast members knew that we were doing that. So we rode it a second time. At the end of the second time, it was still like five minutes to the fireworks. We're going to be over. And so the cast member at the exit was like, you doing this again? And I was like, yep. And she's like, okay, so don't get off. Um, She sent a signal to the people down on the part where you get on the shell. And so we just got to stay on the attraction, rode Little Mermaid three times in a row, still better than Alien Swirling Saucers, Leslie. Uh, It was it was fine. (laughs) That's really great. That's wonderful that the cast members remembered you and sort of did that at something extra special. I mean, that is the Disney service that we know and love and keep returning for. So it warms my heart that it's still alive. Yeah. And I got to say that the service from cast members was top notch throughout the trip, top to bottom. The cast members were amazing and amazing service at the Disney parks, which was great to see. Two final highs. The first is that because it was so busy, Magic Kingdom was closing at 10. This needs to stay, Leslie. This Magic Kingdom closing at 8 o'clock business during the winter or even 9 o'clock is nonsense. 10 p.m. was great because from 9 to 10, you got to ride all these fantasy land attractions with like little to no waits. These park hours just need to stay extended to t- I don't even I shouldn't even be saying extended like the normal closing time for Magic Kingdom should be 10 p.m. You are not going to get any argument for me. I mean, I'm coming from the land of Disneyland where like midnight is par for the course. So I don't get why the hours are so early at Walt Disney World and 10 certainly seems like a reasonable ending time, especially during high crowd times or summer or whatever. So I'm glad you got to experience that and I, I hope that sticks. Yeah, so that was definitely a high. And then our final high, Leslie, was the last attraction that we did at Magic Kingdom. And I think that was the last time that all five of us were at Magic Kingdom together was we all five of us crammed into one teacup. It's a ride that could be at any amusement park anywhere in the world. But for some reason, that was our last attraction at the Magic Kingdom. And it was just a ton of fun at the end of the night. Leslie, I got to ask you, you know, this was just... I mean, that's just more like kind of a family memory that we'll have. But I got to ask you, when you're on the teacups, do you spin or do you not spin? Because we had some disagreements in the five-person teacup. And I got to say the spinners won out. But uh, I'm curious, what do you all do when you're in the teacup? And do does your family afford, now that your kids are bigger, still fit in the teacup? They should still fit, right? Yeah, we still fit as a family of four in a, in a teacup. And we usually spin. I, I think we didn't spin when my son was like a toddler or a baby or something like that. But, you know, I have vertigo. But for whatever reason, as long as I'm somewhat careful, I'm able to spin on the teacups. And my kids, my kids get a kick out of it. 
Awesome. All right. So the last three days of our trip, we will do in another episode. I did want to end with a few final thoughts. As I alluded to with the cast members, I would say that despite the crowds, despite how difficult Genie Plus was at times, the magic at Disney parks definitely is still there. It was our first trip as a family in three years. Our first trip as a family when all five people had a personality. The last time we went, my youngest was like nine months old so it's not like she knew what was going on my wife was really impressed with a lot of the attractions oh she went on flight of passage a couple of times and she really loved that the kids were really into it as well of course though navigating you know those of you who have a family of five navigating with them plus the crowds was very tricky because the kids they had different attractions that they liked to do and none of them were kind of old enough to go on attractions by themselves my last kind of thought is that genie plus it seems necessary but it's not as valuable as it could be it doesn't feel amazing buying genie plus even though i felt like we had to buy it in order to enjoy our trip more so that's a little bit of a negative there but overall we really had a wonderful trip we have a lot of happy memories that we took from that Uh, the kids were all very sad to be leaving as you would be i'll definitely cherish this trip uh, in the future but also say i'm definitely exhausted from being the planner in the family (laughs) i needed a vacation after i got back Yeah, I totally hear that. Um, But glad you made some great memories and hope you continue to get some sleep and recover. All right, Joe. Well, let's close it out with a traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have? Yes. Speaking of sleeping and recovering, my Disney do is do slow down. Whether that's taking a rest day or taking a half rest day or just taking it easy or mentally telling yourself not to push so hard. You know, towards the end of the trip, my wife was like, okay, we've had enough fun. You could chill out. She does not know the phrase forced march of happiness, but if she knew it, she would have used it against me. There's a lot of stuff to do at Disney. You're never going to be able to do it all. You just got to slow down and not push it. You will enjoy it more. And so whenever I listen to my wife telling me to slow things down for everyone, not just for myself, I did find I was enjoying it more. So that is my Disney do. All right. Well said, Joe. All right. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We will do the other half of this trip report at some other time. We really appreciate, especially our patrons who are following along and commenting and sending messages while I was there. Thank you so much, everyone. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you when you're planning your next full family Disney World vacation. Thanks, Joe.